Want to welcome everybody to the latest Denny Artachi Show podcast. I love this guest. This guy is a rock star. I I know he says I'm a rock star because who I played with, but you will see Paul Meeks, chartered financial analyst with Independent Solutions, on CNBC most every week. Mm-hmm. What's it like that they ask your opinion about the markets and the economy and stuff? Well, I know a lot of people are watching, so of course I'm worried about being wrong. <laughs> Really? So you have to give them the political answer? You can't really just go out there and make bold predictions? Well, I think one of the reasons that I've stayed on the air for so long, because the first time I was on was in 95, is because I'm willing to um, go contrarian. I don't always talk my book. Really? And most guests come in and they talk their book, right? Uh, I quite often go on the air, uh, particularly when times are bad, and say, you know what? I got nothing for you. My answer is don't invest. Be all cash. And, of course, wow. you know, most people would never do that. And so I think hopefully I'm a contrarian and hopefully I'm a bit refreshing. Why not? Is it, is it like an ego thing that they're like, people want honesty. Hey, I don't know at this point, to be honest with you. And if I were you, I wouldn't invest at this time. What's wrong well, with well, saying that? Well, particularly in the last year, you know, the um, Dow was down uh, 9%, and that was the best performing index. <laughs> Bonds were down 13 the NASDAQ was down 33. The S&P is down 20. Nasty all the way around. So the right answer, at least last year, and I actually think it's the right answer over the next uh, couple of months at least, is zero. You don't have to invest. There is no requirement. You know what's so interesting? I remember Thanksgiving before last. So we're talking 2020, right? You were telling me, yeah, I'm a little nervous about how things are going. So before the market was in 2020, you were already pulling back and going to cash. Yeah, particularly uh, Thanksgiving of 21, right? So was it, Yes, 21. Yeah, I'm sorry. Right. Yes. Sorry, folks. I, I've only had one and a half cups of coffee. So you, what made you pull back? What did you see that was happening that scared you? So I'm best known for the tech sector, right? And that's kind of uh, pedal to the metal, aggressive growth stuff. And uh, one of the things that was happening is you started to see a deterioration in some of the fundamentals of these tech companies, particularly the ones that are focused on consumer electronics. And when I say consumer electronics, I'm talking PCs and smartphones. Yeah. And then, of course, also these stocks require a steady diet of low interest rates and interest rates are starting to rise. A lot of people don't realize that particularly with aggressive growth stocks, the key is not the fundamentals of the company. The key is the level of interest rates. And interest rates were going from not just low, zero, and starting to rise. And, of course, we're probably about 80 to 90% of the way right now through the uh, regimen that the Fed has, the central bank, to raise rates. So we're not done yet, but yeah. we're pretty close, I think, to finishing that program. But you and, saw that'll the- be, and that'll be positive. So you did see that they were going up because, obviously, these companies, they have to borrow to—, to to keep their business going, right? Right. So that's that's why it affected it so much. And and also when you do valuation work like I do, mm-hmm. um, every asset, whether it's a stock, a bond, a bar of gold, a barrel of oil, almost anything, is um, valued based on a discounted cash flow. So you have the cash flows in the numerator of a fraction, and in the denominator you have the interest rate. And as the denominator gets bigger, the fraction result gets smaller. And that's just valuation math. And so the nastiest thing is the valuation math, not necessarily that companies are going to have to uh, pay more interest expense when they borrow. Well, I know that uh, for clients, you, you were buying treasury bills uh, this past year. Yeah. <laughs> Did you, honestly, Paul, 
Did you think that rates would have ballooned as much as they have? really spiked. And the interesting thing is I just turned 60 the other day, and the last time we've had uh, interest rates that have made bonds this attractive as we're sitting here today was probably when I was in high school. (laughs) And I was in high school from 77 to 81. And so, of course, interest rates uh, rising caused a very nasty 2022 but if there is any silver lining, and you know, hopefully there's always a silver yeah, lining of life, yeah. the fact that uh, interest rates are up, and you and I have talked about this, mm-hmm. you know, you're a smart to uh, you know, see me out on this, is you could buy a six-month treasury bill. And you know the U.S. Treasury issues it. It has zero chance of credit default. It's the U.S. <laughs> government. Unless you think the world's coming to right. an end. You have conspir- the world's been coming to an end for 2,000 years, right? But that has right now a annualized rate of 4.81%. So that doesn't mean that if you invest, because it's a six-month security, yeah. that you get 48 It's an annual rate. So you right. get half of 4.8 for right. six months. But still, that is ludicrous it, how high and attractive that is. So right. bonds become kind of cool right now. Uh, for the first time in not just years, but a generation for conservative investors. But they got smashed last year because yeah. the rates kept going higher, right? Bonds were down about, what, 13%? 13%. So, so people think that's a safe play. Yeah. But here's, here's the uh, rub. Um, so bond prices go opposite of interest rates. So while the Fed is raising interest rates, that's why you get bond prices down because that overwhelms the price depreciation, any coupon payment. However, since we're pretty close to the end of the rainbow for the Fed increases, then we actually don't worry about that. And so I actually think bonds and stocks will have a much better 23 than 22. There you go, folks. He's going out. He's making the bold prediction. Now, it should be better, but do you see possibly double-digit returns in equities? That might be tough because here's my uh, forecast. It's going to get unfortunately, worse before it gets better. Yeah. So I'm pretty confident saying that stocks will be up in 2023, but it does not mean to say that January 1st to December 31st, straight line. I actually think there's a very good chance in the next couple of months that we retest the October last low, which unfortunately is still down about 8% on the S&P from today's trade. And so, yes, we get uh, worse before we get better as we go in. But then I see us getting out of a recession pretty quickly. And so I think the goodies in 2023 sure. are kind of a second half phenomenon. You know, you know, the problem is this, and I, I'm speaking from my point of view because I deal with investors firsthand. But you do as well as, as a manager. They were so used to such a bull market. Oh. They thought 20% returns was the norm. They don't understand that. That is not a sustainable rate for any long period of time. They were spoiled by that. So they're thinking, well, if it's not making 20%, I'm just not going to invest at all. There's a lot of people that uh, either got out of the market, they're sitting in cash when they could buy treasury bills. But the other reality is people have that trader mentality. Isn't it true that as markets are down, you see some good buying opportunities for the next five to 10 years. Oh, yes. I mean, there are some, uh, you know, I cover the, the technology sector most carefully. Yeah. There are some marquee names, not companies that are fly by night, but marquee companies that will be around for eons that are down 60, 70% from their tops, which was about that uh, Thanksgiving 21 timeframe. Right. Now, uh, I, st- I think I still might be too early to buy because what happens is, 
companies in about the third week of this month, third week of January, mm -hmm. will announce their quarterly results for the quarter ended December 31. And unfortunately, when they open their mouths, they're going to give a lot of bad, uh, <laughs> you know, cry in your beard data. And right. so I think that's a catalyst for that another uh, smackdown. But then after that, I think we're going to set up some good buying opportunities like you refer to for the long term. Sure. Yeah. You think the Fed raises uh, rates again? Yeah, I think um, they, well, they've advertised, and I have no reason to not believe them, that they will raise rates um, a quarter point. In the next three meetings. Ooh, that's a home run, a quarter point. Yeah. So uh, you think about the it. The next three meetings, that's what they're predicting. Yes. And so that means, unless they change their game plan, that their last hike will be on May 2nd, and it'll be uh, the third of three consecutive meetings with a quarter point. And that gets us to a Fed funds rate uh, at the end of the day of about five to five and a quarter percent. And I think what they do there is they hold the phone. And they see how it all plays out, and uh, they don't turn around and start lowering rates, but they'll plateau there, and I think they'll plateau well into 2024. The recession fears didn't quite happen, even though technically we did have two quarters that were down. But right. the last quarter, we'll look and see what they. But the third quarter was actually up, yeah. was it not? Yeah, and the fourth quarter will be up too. So. You think the recession fears are over with, or you think maybe people think it's still a possibility? No, I think uh, I think it's more than a possibility. I actually think it's imminent. No kidding. But I think it's going to be rather short and rather shallow. And so as we get into the second half of next year, that's why I have this bullish forecast. Mm -hmm. Because you think about it, even if we were to invest today, we're not investing for what's going on today. Right. We're investing for six to nine months six out. Six to nine months out and or so, longer. Uh, I think over the next couple of weeks, after we have this really nasty quarterly uh, information download, stocks go a bit lower because I see the recession being uh, short and shallow. And we are investing for six to nine months, not six to nine minutes. <laughs> and it, it'll, it will be a pretty good time because they'll announce a recession. It'll be big, bold print on your newspaper. It may scare the hell out of you. But when they announce it, unless you think it's going to be long term lasting, it's already rearview mirror. So... For those investors that are looking for a safe haven in the next, let's say, six months until, because some people want to jump on that train after the train's been going in the right direction. Yeah. Do you see them staying in cash or, or hopefully they're buying some treasury bills in those kind of vehicles? Yeah, I'd be uber defensive in cash, but I do think, and you know, you and I have talked about this. this yeah. Is, this is a clever move on your part, is, uh, as I just said, a six-month treasury bill yielding 4.81%. So that means essentially guaranteed in six months you will get 2.4. Exactly. Yes. That's pretty good. If, if I would have said this a year and a half ago, people would have asked me to pee in a cup and take a drug test. I'm sorry. Because rates have ballooned up to where it is. Uh, the other thing is... What do you see? What sectors have done well yeah. last year? If there, if any, what yeah. sectors did do well in 2022, surprisingly, because of the environment that we're living in? So there's 11 sectors that make up the market. Uh, it was pretty nasty for everybody, except for one. Which Energy. one? Energy. Energy. Last year, believe it or not, if you bought uh, the XLE, which is the exchange-traded fund that covers the energy sector, mm -hmm. you're up over 60%. Oh, my God. The uh, next <laughs> sector uh, on the uh, you know good guys list was utilities up 1%. The other nine sectors, 
down and some of them down big. Now, somebody would say, Paul, if a sector has just risen over 60%, isn't it time to ditch it? Well, here's the deal with energy. I think not. I'd still be overweight the sector because energy was such a poor performer for so many years huh. that even though it had a big pop last year, it is still historically relatively cheap compared to the rest of the market. Now, if we have a nasty recession that lasts a long time, which is not my forecast, then you'll have less demand for energy. The price of a barrel of oil will go down. It'll hit Exxon and Chevron. But I don't see that. And so I still think energy could be one of the best sectors next year with the other sectors that are kind of defensive, like healthcare, mm -hmm. utilities, and consumer staples. And when I say consumer staples, I'm talking you know, stuff that you find in the, in the grocery store, like, <laughs> like Coke and Pepsi. Like Coke and Pepsi. You, know, you think about your food and beverage. That's well, consumer staples. I have a question. Do you think inflation helped energy? Because, my God, the problem is the price of everything has gone up. Yeah. I mean, uh, I go to the grocery store, and I said, my God, are, are chickens forming a union? Have they gone on strike? How are eggs oh, more yeah. than double where they were a year and a half ago? And I think one analyst said that the cost of feed has gone up. Do you see inflation cooling off this year? Yeah. So what happens is the consumer price index, which is probably the best gauge of inflation, is announced by the feds every month. The most recent reading yeah. for uh, last month was 7.1%, which means in November of 2022, prices were up 7% from November of 2021. That's what it means. However, 7.1% percent is scary because we're trying to get back to two. That's the plan. It was at nine. It peaked right. out at nine. It peaked out at nine in June. So if we continue every time we report this monthly stat, even though it's still rising, it's rising at a slower and slower rate. And that's what we've seen the last couple of prints. Mm -hmm. uh, then we'll feel that inflation hasn't been conquered, but we'll feel good enough that it's going in the right direction. That's all we really need. Right. We just need to see inflation increase at a lesser rate. But here's the problem that I have. That CPI is based on what? Is it based on energy, utility? What is the index? What Unfortunately, is it, based on? it is too concentrated, in my view, on not just energy, but shelter, which means shelter is what they say for rent. Rent. Rent if you uh, are living in an apartment. But rent your is mortgage gone crazy. if you're living in a house. So they base it on utilities, mortgages, and rent. And a bunch of other stats. Because... Yeah. You know, they say it's 7%, but you go to the grocery store and things are up 50%. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so remember, it's a, a whole slew of different subcomponents. And the other thing is, it's measuring that component versus the same time last year. So as we go through time, yeah. you know, uh, you an anniversary annual statistics, you're naturally going to have some fall off. But not to say that there are some subcomponents today that are much, much, much higher than a 7.1% <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Here, here's what I see, too. I, The housing market, I think last I checked, was down 30% in sales. And the big reality is, I think if people want to mortgage a house now, they're going to pay north of 7%. Yeah, yeah. Where a year and a half or so ago, you could still get it between 3 and 4. Yep. So then what's happening is pe people have less money to spend. They're finally going, oh, my God. I've got to stop eating out five times a week. I'm going to run out of money. And eh, let me just charge it. <laughs> uh, let me let me be like the feds. Just keep printing stuff, which will 
affect businesses and retail because if people are spending, I never got the whole logic that the it's good for the economy that people are spending frivolously. But what's happened because of inflation, in my humble opinion, <laughs> is they're holding on to their money, which means that's going to that's going to hurt corporate profits. If people are buying less, they're, hold, they're, they're holding on to the money. It's going to affect a lot of things. And that's probably the biggest component that may affect a recession, right? Oh, yeah. Because if they're, if they're not spending and they're holding on to it and the price of everything keeps rising, which hopefully it's not right. going to continue to rise. So this year we could be up, but you certainly – you think this year will be an improve an, uh, an improvement from last year? Yeah. Well, I actually think yeah. if we got to uh, December thirty first and we're having this uh, podcast, December thirty first of twenty twenty three. Yeah. I think the S and P will be up. I don't know if it'll be up double digit. There it is, predictions, but it, folks. But it is <laughs> going to take a tumble in the first part of the year, then do very well in the second half. So when we get to the end of the day, December thirty first, overall, it'll be okay. You know, I very few people with your credentials are so transparent, you know, you, you, do you still teach at the Citadel? Yeah. 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 So I have to ask, what was some of the uh, most funny or embarrassing egg on your face predictions that you've done through the years? Oh, I remember that. <laughs> uh, when I first came to the fore, and the reason I'm on TV is uh, in the 90s, I yeah. managed all the tech funds for uh, Merrill Lynch. You had the largest tech fund in the world. That's right. Yeah. And, of course, a big microphone because Merrill Lynch is a big firm. Yeah. And, uh, of you know, what would happen is they'd have you on TV. And, of course, they always want actionable ideas. Absolutely. They don't, they don't want you to come on and say, I got nothing to say. They say, <laughs> you know, what do you like? And, of course, you know, back then you were saying, I like various tech stocks. And yeah. then when the Internet bubble popped, uh, it's very easy to say, Boy, you really liked Yahoo at 200. Now it's and 20. They, and they love to throw it at you when you're wrong, huh? I, um uh, once was on the air with Willow Bay, who was uh, sitting in that night on CNN for, um, I forgot who the marquee uh, anchor was. But anyway, she did a gotcha. And uh, <laughs> she said, Paul, I want you. And I'm, I'm in the seat live. Yeah. She said, Paul, I want you to watch a video. And she played. And, and I usually know what's coming because I talked to the producer before the show. And uh, she was filling in for Lou Dobbs. And so they show the the video, and it's me, you know, a year before saying, I love Yahoo. <laughs> and she said, Paul, um, what do you have to say to you? And so, you know, she, oh my she, God. Uh, and, you know, it was, it was awkward, and <sighs> she was trying to do a gotcha moment. And she loved it, yeah. And uh, anyway, it, it, I think she was trying to make a name for herself because she was uh, just filling in for Lou Dobbs at the time. She wasn't the lead. And yeah, she, is she, is she, she got me. <laughs> is, she, is she still in business? She's married to uh, Bob Iger, who is the uh, you know the the CEO of Disney. Oh boy, yeah, yeah that doesn't have some uh, some overtones uh, to it. Uh, but yeah, so but what you have to do is, you know, you put yourself out there, and uh, you're going to be right, you're going to be wrong, but you know, you always say, yeah, uh, you know, I did it. You know, you start bobbing and weaving. I think it makes it worse. The simple fact is nobody knows with 100% no, certainty. No, It'd If we like, did, we'd all be cajillionaires. Exactly. Yeah. And I tell people all the time, I say, listen, when you see people on TV, including Paul, you're one of the most transparent CFAs I've seen on TV. So many act like they have that crystal ball. And and I always say if they knew 100% certainty, they wouldn't tell the world what was going on. They would keep it as a secret and trade their own account. Right. I mean, that's the reality. 
We can only, because a lot of things could happen. The war in Ukraine could escalate. Something could happen in the Biden administration. There's so many China, factors. China's a big one. China's a big one, right. Yeah, yeah we're, you know, talk about an anomaly that you can't control. That could, I think what's happened, the difference is our world moves at such a faster pace than it did 20, 30 years ago. Oh, yeah. That when something happens, it's boom, and you can't put on the brakes. You're down, like what happened in 2020 through the COVID report, oh. where we saw 20% happen in what, two to three weeks? Yeah, and that whole um, downdraft in the market, which was over a third of the market's value was lost, that all happened in five weeks. <laughs> right. And then it came back, and people were like, oh, yeah, that's normal. No, it's not, folks. It's not normal. The market moves at a slower pace than people believe it to, to believe. Hindsight's always twenty twenty, but the simple fact is if you take the S&P, and I always use 2,000 because it's a round number. It's recent. We had the dot-coms and everything. The S&P has probably averaged each year a little over 4%. So you think about that. That's including when it was up 30, 40, when it was down 30, 40. It plugs along. And the reason I say this is many people have a misconception of what reality is. I said early in our show here that they're used to 20% returns in bull markets. And you're not a you're not a magician. You can position clients and money to what makes sense, and you're charting along with a time you're not trading for the next five weeks. No, it's uh, it's very difficult. What I what I typically do, and it's a good question that you ask, is I take advantage of these quarterly reports, right? Uh, ever since the 30s, when the Securities and Exchange Commission was created, they've required U.S. publicly traded companies, and that means even foreign companies that yeah. trade on U.S. exchanges, to essentially open the kimono, show us your financials, yeah. give us some commentary, and we are blessed to get that four times a year. So I take full advantage when are those announcements. I open the book, and uh, you And you, you usually wait. You don't, like, try and guess, yeah. oh, well, it's coming out next week, so I'm going to guess and buy or sell, right? Yeah. You wait. I, I prefer, particularly if I only need to wait uh, a couple of uh, weeks or even days, unless you know for certainty what they're going to say. And, of course, if I knew for certainty, they'd put me in jail. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> i just say, why don't I just wait for fresh data? Right. There's no rush. That's right. And so uh, what I will do... And unfortunately, I'm very bearish about uh, what I'm expecting. Uh, this whole next quarter download will happen in about two weeks from now. All companies have their own schedule, but they'll start to dribble out in about two weeks. Yeah. And I think it's going to be nasty. And you know what? That might be good because it's going to set the stage for lower lows where the expectations will be so low. Sure. And be like a hurdle that's on the floor and it's easy to step over because stocks don't start to outperform until they start beating the analyst expectations. And if the expectations are set so low, it's easy to do that. So what I say is, pull off the band-aid, <laughs> take the expectations to the floor, set yourself up for success. That sounds pretty contrarian there, my friend. Well, we'll Beat see. the analysts, so if they're really bearish on it, but fundamentally you're saying, well, gee, I don't know. I think, I, I remember one thing that you said, I think about a year ago, that, uh, 
computer chips, there was a shortage of supplies, and it really affected the tech industry. Yeah. Is that still a problem? No, unfortunately, it's uh, not for every uh, chip. There's still tight supplies for chips that go into automobiles and other industrial applications. But the chips that go into consumer electronics, like the smartphone and the yeah. PC, unfortunately, they're now in glut mode. Oh, there's an abundance of them. For consumer electronics. What because, happened? Because what, what changed? The, the sale of PCs and smartphones plummeted last year. So now they have too much inventory. Oh. Yeah. I wonder why Why do you think it, it plummeted? You know, well, you think about it uh, when people are worried about their job or they have less discretionary income. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're not going to buy the, the new Apple. The iPhone. new app, right. Because yeah. you know, that thing's 1100 bucks. <laughs> and, you know... Instead of upgrading their laptop, they're going to say, I'm going to wait till next year. Right. And it's not just consumers saying that. Businesses are saying See, that. See, this too. is what I'm saying. It boggles my mind that frivolous spending is good for the economy and in businesses. But it sounds to me like people are being more frugal. Oh, they're definitely, they're definitely uh, retrenching. One of the things that I've seen is there have been a huge number of layoffs the last couple of weeks at tech companies in Silicon Valley. Yes. Particularly those that sell into consumer. Even though they're saying the unemployment rate is awesome, right? Well, yes, just yesterday, uh, a marquee tech company called Salesforce.com, ticker symbol CRM. We use Salesforce, right. They announced they're firing 8,000 people. Oh, boy. Today, a report from Amazon came out. They're firing 18,000. Uh, Meta, the old Facebook's, firing yeah. 11,000. And Google is going to announce a big layoff within days. Wow, man. Wow, that's a that's, lot of that's a lot of head cuts, and they're kind of telling you that they don't expect a quick turnaround because they're shrinking the workforce, and they don't do that. See, uh, Paul, a lot of people yeah. will look at that data, and they'll be very bearish about 2023. I mean, there's there's um, plus they just passed that big bill with a hundred one point seven trillion in spending, which I gotta tell you, I doubt that our leaders really read everything in that bill. When does the spending stop? Hmm. That's that's what's uh, that that, so, that part uh, scares the bejesus out of me. Right. Yeah. That's exactly. And it's not right. a Republican or Democratic no, problem. It's an everybody's it. problem. It's an every. That's yeah. exactly right. I wish rhetoric would would uh, would just go away and partisanship. Let's hold our leaders more accountable to saying, "Hey, what makes you think you can keep spending like a drunken sailor on shore leave?" There has to be an accounting because. Our great-grandchildren will not be able to pay down this debt. Well, particularly as you accumulate more debt, interest rates rise. And so the interest rate on which you pay that debt is now more expensive. You know, I am not even a layman compared to you, but I think we will never see rates the way they have been in the last five to ten years. As far as going back down? Yes. I don't think we'll ever see that again. Think about that, Paul. They were so low for so long. They were zero. Right, exactly. We're never going to see that again. I don't know if I'd say never, because they're always a tool that the Fed uses to you know pull us out of a crisis, and there will be more crises. Okay. But you're right. Uh, inflation is probably much higher than the old baseline two percent, and if it's much higher, interest rates have to be higher to thwart that threat. So yeah, I think you're right. You know, at least I mean, for, at least for the next couple of years. Hopefully, we're not going to see like the seventies and eighties ever oh, again. Oh wow. Yeah. Because that was insanity. Right. But Do you I, remember that? You old enough? <laughs> yeah, we're only a year apart, Paul. I just <laughs> I just uh color my hair and uh, I've changed my eating habits. But yeah, we're we're a year apart in age, sir. But yes, I do remember 
uh, in double the eighties, double digit, where yeah. it was insane and our economy was out of control. Yeah. But we didn't have the deficit. The big difference is we didn't have the deficits that we have now. True. This deficit, I don't know how it's ever going to be tamed. If it's ever going to be tamed, it just keeps growing. That's probably my biggest fear. Again, I, I'm not even a layman compared to you. That lets me know that interest rates will never be close to where they have been because they have to start raising money. So they, they're going to have to raise rates. They're going to have to raise taxes. Is there any other way to pay down the debt? Well, you'd have to cut your expenses. And you know, uh, when it comes to the U.S. government, expenses only go in one direction. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're not good. That's why people who, who want the government to take care of things and take care of them, folks, they're not good at managing money, okay? They're really not. Make sure you go see uh, Denny here. And, yes, uh, and Paul. Because your Social Security <laughs> plan may not cover you. You know, that's the thing because technically it's still very well funded because there's about $2 trillion in the Social Security fund and they're paying about a trillion in debt. But I think in 2035, that will be cut to they can only pay about 70% of the obligations out there. I'm more concerned about Medicare than Social Security because the rising costs of medical costs, I, I can't even put a number on that. And it's following inflation and everything else. So, yes, I don't think the world's coming to an end yet, folks, at least – in our lifetime, but it's getting pretty scary. But it's still, I still believe that in equities and the markets that people should do well in the next yeah. five to 10 years. Geez, unless rates are still spiking, because yeah. if you can, but if they are, then you're not keeping up with inflation. So I think, you know, our last print for November CPI was yeah. 7.1. I think it continues to decelerate. I think maybe a year from now, inflation is ticking at about the four handle. Which oh, that is, would be awesome. Which is higher than the 2% uh, target, but you know, down from 9 June of last year. And uh, that'll bring some relief. And that'll be uh, great because you know, when you have some uh, relief on the rate and inf inflation fronts, then you will have probably pretty good returns in not just stocks, but bonds too. Well, there you have it. The great Paul Meeks. I, you know, I always enjoy talking to you. You're, you're a good friend. We love good music together. And um, of all the people out there talking, I think you're the most transparent and uh, common sense approach. You don't make bold predictions. And I do remember that you were pulling back before 2022 yeah. reared its ugly head because it just didn't make sense to you certain things that were happening. And particularly interest rates were starting to climb, or there are indications that they were going to start raising them, which they started doing so in uh, March. Yeah. Well, there it is, folks. Paul Meeks from Independent Solutions, Chartered Financial Analyst, rock star in his own right. So, hey, let's let's check it out in the next quarter. Yeah. Uh, we see how the market is going. We can going always again. come back and do this again. <laughs> we can always do this again. I always enjoy it as well. And... Um, Make it a great 2023, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on a Denny Artachi Show podcast. That is a wrap, sir.